Welcome to Empathy Power Up, a collaboration of two people who connected during the pandemic through their love of empathy and action. Two people from very different backgrounds, helping each other find ways to love themselves, understand their experiences better, and help reverse the rise of narcissism and the divides in our communities. We will cover various topics about the human experience to help us power up on tools of empathy and emotional intelligence in the pursuit of one simple goal, create a world where people seek to understand themselves and each other. This is a learning journey amongst fellow humans. We're all just figuring out life together. Think of the feeling when you felt valued at work, where you saw your work make an impact. That could be delivering flowers to people that brought them joy and comfort. It could be the moment when you worked on a project that helped improve people's lives. It could be even in B2B environments where you're helping make someone else's job easier. Now think about a time if you worked on something that you felt did not matter. A feeling where you were unable to connect what you were doing to the impact towards your customers, to the world, to our environment. Today's episode is exploring the fourth essential of the Surgeon General's framework for workplace mental health and well-being. And we're going to dive deep into this today. Uh, the essential explores two fundamental needs, uh, dignity and meaning. And these are two words that I think are pretty heavy, and we're going to explore this. But before we get started, let's explore what mattering is, because this essential talks about mattering at work. So in psychology, the abstract mattering is an ideal state of affairs consisting of two complementary psychological experiences, feeling valued and adding value. Human beings can feel value, can, can feel valued by and add value to self, others, work, and community. This is from uh, Mattering at the Intersection of Psychology, Philosophy, and Politics by Isaac Prilan-Teske. And there's a lot of conversation that's on online on what mattering is. From the New York Times article on mattering, mattering involves more than feeling like you belong in a group. And I think this was an interesting quote uh, from this article by Dr. Flett. He explained that it's also being missed by people in that group if you weren't there. And I think that's such an interesting difference between the sense of belonging in a group versus being missed by the people in the group. Um, Dr. Flett, now a professor at York University and the author of The Psychology of Mattering, is one of the world's foremost authorities on the subject. When it comes to self-esteem, you can like yourself and feel capable, Dr. Flett said, but you still won't be a happy person if no one notices you when you enter a room. So research suggests that people who feel like they matter experience more self-compassion, relationship, satisfaction, and greater belief in their capacity to achieve their goals while lack of mattering is, is associated with burnout, self-criticism, anxiety, depression, aggression, and increased risk of suicide. So it's a heavy topic, Amy. How do you relate to it? <clears throat> For sure. And I love how we talk about, I love this topic of mattering because um, I often think about it and it's not often when we get to think deeply about this. And if you, for the past few weeks, you and I have been spinning around this uh, because it has been, it's been hard for us to get into a place uh, where like what wrapping our mind around this idea of mattering and dignity and these things. And so, 
you know, part of this podcast is to help make things a little bit more, um, you know, easier to understand, uh, to digest. And so we've done the work for you <laughs> so that you can, <laughs> you can like know and understand this a little bit better. Um, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the first time when I felt like I was doing something that mattered. And this was in uh, AmeriCorps and Triple C, the National Civilian Community Corps. Um, AmeriCorps is like the Domestic Peace Corps. If you're familiar with that, um, a lot more people are known about the, know about that. And the National National Civilian Community Corps was actually created um, as uh, like the Civic Conservation Corps that happened after uh, World uh, World War II. No, no, it's not, no. In to, um um in 1929 after the great depression um a lot of people around the world um the country were um, given jobs and replacing our infrastructure so i joined americorps in 2006 as a team leader and i joined because i knew i needed to help after hurricane katrina and that's one of the worst natural disasters to hit in the history of the united states and the reaction that we had was actually pretty terrible as well. And so um, I felt compelled as an empath to go down there. And at the beginning of this work, I I felt like I was really well resourced. I had uh, long several months of onboarding and leadership training. And I have to say, it's probably the best leadership program I could have attended as a young adult. Uh, but once I was deployed on my projects, this was a different story. I was living in a gutted out elementary school, sleeping on a cot with 20 other people in a former classroom. During the day, I would go and 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 gut houses in 110 degree heat in Tyvek suits and full face respirators. And there was about 7,000 houses that needed to be gutted. In the evening, I would break bread with fellow core members and local residents in our community kitchen where we sustained ourselves. And I also could see that the impact of the work right in front of me. And it was through this difficulty of me going out doing sweat angels in the pavement because I was sweating so much um, that this brought glimmers of hope um, and sadness too in the community kitchen. Um, and literally the school that we were we were in that hundreds of people were living in was called Camp Hope. So it gave us hope. But during this time, I was met with so little resources and felt very much on my own. Um, I was the leader of 10, 18 to 24 year olds, and they were just figuring out who they are in the world, as was I. And I felt very ill-prepared for that. Like, I felt like I was their mother trying to raise them. And and then eventually, as the year went on, I, I had to lead a rebuilding project where I was told I needed to build 50 homes, five zero homes in four months with hundreds of volunteers because there wasn't anyone else to lead it. And I didn't think that was a good idea. Um, but... The person, this person who gave me this imp almost impossible task um, in charge of recovery was a general from the army and he was no frills and demanded that in two weeks I put a proposal on his desk. So like, you know, this is purpose. This is being like, I can help a lot of people, but I just don't also feel be like, you're just doing this because this is what 
you know, this is, we got a lot of money and we got to figure it out somehow. Right. So I went from feeling like I mattered in this experience, not being valued at all. Looking back on it, I think that they saw something in me that I really couldn't see myself, um, that I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm also have like this innovative mind that can think beyond like the here and now. Uh, But I also know now that I'm an entrepreneur full time that people who are entrepreneurial need help and they need resources and which I got very little of. And so it was a double-edged sword. I felt valued, but I didn't feel resourced. Mm. And at the end of the day, as a result, I think I, I burn out. That was my, one of my three big supernova, supernovas, I call them. <laughs> yeah. I think, thanks for sharing that. I think what's interesting about that story is that that story highlights that you had meaning and because of the lack of resources and the conditions and the lack of support, and as well as throwing someone so young into the space as a leader, um, not with the preparation and support needed and the help needed, it's maybe the dignity part of that experience could have was was uh, challenged. And I think the essential of mattering at work is based in these two things: the meaning and the feeling of having sense of dignity. And um, when we talk about um, the human experience, purpose comes up often. And you mentioned purpose in your story as well. And I relate to this essential of mattering at work to this a sense of having purpose. I think this is similar in how we think about having a purpose um, and meaning and dignity sort of fit into that, that as well. Um, humans have a need to feel meaning, that we matter, that what we do means something to ourselves, to our loved ones, to our colleagues, to our communities. And meaning in the workplace can refer to the sense of broader purpose and significance of one's work. Studies have shown that having meaning and purpose reduces the risk for health complications such as heart attacks and stroke, and when connected to work, can lead to improved productivity and innovation. We all want to feel that the work we are doing and choices we make mean something. What I see this as is that we are working towards a positive impact for our world and ourselves. The why behind the what. If we are working in a factory where we all know um, is putting a screw on something, but we don't know why, what is that something going to do? What is that thing that I'm putting a screw in going to help or how is it going to change the world or improve someone's life? Then we don't have a sense of ownership. The work doesn't give us a sense of meaning. The, The meaning is lost. It's more of the process versus the meaning. And I think that's so important. Having a sense of mean, meaning can be mean different things to different people as well. So I think we, as we explore this idea of meaning, there's this con- like belief that your contributions matter to others and yourself. Uh, meaning can also mean as a sense of feeling that what we do makes sense. It could be a pursuit that you're active, actively pursuing full f- and fulfilling goals, that we're working towards a mission that has a positive impact to, for our world. Meaning can also come from significance that we, what we do and our life has significance beyond the trivial or momentary. So even in the example of putting a screw in a machine, maybe if I knew that the machine is going to go help save people's lives, it's a, it's a helps it's a respirator or something. It can be significant that me putting the screw in is going to save someone's life. And meaning can come from thinking about the future, that we we feel more positive and optimistic about the future as well. And so I had a job in 
when I went to college uh, for my bachelor's, um, which later turned out to be a secret study. The job was to enter data uh, from some uh, paper form. So there was a stack of papers and the job was like, hey, Kevin, you just need to come in daily and spend some hours with this bunch of data that you need to enter. I didn't ask why that screw story. I didn't ask what, what was going on. I was I was a college student working multiple jobs and full load of uh, extracurricular activities and full load of classes doing a dual major. I just needed money so I can go um, uh, do my unpaid intern and, and, and just continue living. And I was first time on my own. And I did not ask why. And I did not even care at that point. I was just happy having a job where I could just sit in front of a computer instead of washing dishes with food flying at me in in the college cafeteria. (laughs) And I got to have my laptop with me and watch whatever shows I wanted to while I entered data. And I was like, okay, this is even great. I get to watch (laughs) my favorite shows. And I went through a bunch of TV shows. Like I watched a bunch of friends then. And I don't, (laughs) you know, I didn't feel a sense of purpose and meaning from that work. However, what was meaningful for me in that was the working conditions in that moment Mm -hmm. where the pay was was great and just doing something that did not take much of my cognitive load where I could just, it almost felt like a break, a restful thing while I was doing the work. Um, in that moment, it felt like, oh, this is great. I, I'm going to keep doing it. I think the study was designed like, oh, someone's going to do this quickly and, and and figure it out and end the study. But I stretched that. I stretched it to the <laughs> And um the study turned out to be one where they were measuring productivity based on rewards and type of rewards and conditions and stuff. So that was great. <laughs> and it was like entering data and making mistakes. How, how, how uh, you know, it, the, it came out like they would give me money and gift cards and other things to see how it impacted my uh, okay. data entry and errors and things like that. And, and during the time I had an unpaid internship, that was part of a a startup that I joined in college and that was giving me that sense of dignity and meaning as well. So in this space, the meaning came from being able to just take care of myself and just have a job that was was easier, was just not, not going to take more of my energy as well. And so it's, I think it's important to understand like this concept of meaning can come from different things and we can extract it from different experiences and it's it's up to the person's perspective and the moment they are in their life and that journey that they take care about. However, we know that in modern workplace, having a sense of ownership is critical so that each person can feel they are an important part of the organization and working towards the intended impact. In, in jobs where I understood the impact and felt a sense of meaning, I owned the outcome. And I think that's important, having that sense of ownership. I worked hard to innovate and create more efficiencies and improve the processes and deliver. And meaning contributes to that motivation. And I think that's that's important. So I wanted to explore this concept of meaning and, and deeply in, in because I related to that in so many different ways and throughout my life experience at different jobs, at different moments. And I'll talk more about it in, in a little bit, but I would love, Amy, to let's dive into now dignity. Yeah, I, one of the things I'm thinking about when you were talking about meaning contributes to motivation, I think it's it's both of those things. It's kind of like a cyclical thing where it's like if you if I have meaning, if I know what I do have meaning has meaning, then it's going to keep me motivated. And then 
if I stay motivated, it's going to keep providing meaning yeah. and unlocking that piece about ourselves is so important. Yeah, a symbiotic to be like, relationship. How are, <laughs> how are we connected to our work, you know, <clears throat> and in what, in what circumstance are we? So the idea of dignity, which is the second piece of second essential in this, um, in this, 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 um, pedal four around, um, uh, mattering at work is that the concept of dignity is the sense of being respected and valued as humans. And I brought in some research here from Dr. Donna Hicks. She specializes in international conflict resolution at some of the biggest conflicts of the world, where the concept of dignity often gets challenged in the world. And she wrote a book called Dignity. It's a central role in resolving conflict. She helps explain why dignity matters in life and our relationships. And there's two core truths, she says, that explain dignity. Is number one, we are inherently valuable and worthy. Dignity is an essential element in human existence. We're born with it. We are invaluable, priceless, and irreplaceable. But the second piece is that our dignity is also vulnerable. We're also prone to being injured and wounded, says uh, Dr. Hicks. So that is seems like a paradox there, right? We are inherently worthy. We have dignity, but then we also are prone to being injured and wounded with our dignity. And so there's two other words that, another word that goes along with dignity and it's dignity and respect. And dignity comes from the Latin word dignitas, which means to be worthy. As in all people have the right to be recognized for their inherent humanity and treated ethically. And dignity is a given. You just have it and no one else can take it away. But then there's also respect, and that comes from the Latin word respectus, meaning to look back at. And that this is kind of characterized as, as showing admiration for someone else, someone because of their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Respect is earned. You are res- respected by others for what you have achieved, experienced, and how you have handled yourself as Um, as you have achieved your accomplishments. So dignity and respect are different from, from each other because respect is something that you earn and dignity is inherent to all humans. It's it's dignity is not based on how you perform what they can do for us or their likability says Dr. Hicks. When, we're, when our leaders do not treat us with dignity, conflict and mistrust occurs. So the desire for dignity is universal and powerful. It is a motivating force behind all human interaction in our families, in our communities, in the business world, and in relationships to, to the international, at the international level. We see them playing out in lots of ways in our world right now. When dignity is violated, though, the response is likely to involve aggression, even violence, hatred, and vengeance. And on the other hand, when people treat one one another with dignity, they become more connected and are able to create more meaningful relationships. But when the dignity of workers is affirmed and supported in the workplace, 
it really enhances our well-being and our mental health. But in the workplace, being made to feel disrespected or not valued may lead to an increase in distress and stress, feelings of anger, cynicism, hostility and withdrawal and burnout. Yeah. And and I think this this is such an interesting way to put it is like we inherently have dignity, but because we have it, it can get hurt and it is vulnerable. And then this idea of respect and the word origin of looking back is is a way in, in a way is like I respect you. I look back at you or like if I respect my dad or if I respect my boss or respect each other as peers, we are sort of looking back at each other as role models, as as people that we sort of understand. And this idea that all humans inherently have worth, which which our system sort of takes away. It's like, no, you have to earn your worthiness. And so I think we if we understand this, it's almost freeing in a way. But I wanted mm-hmm. to highlight that one that feeling mattered is different from being celebrated. So, and and I think some people may end up conflating. And I was one of those uh, in the past where I was celebrated. I enjoyed my life and at a work that I worked at a company where I questioned the impact and meaning throughout. It was always in my head. Uh, But however, I was celebrated by the leaders, by the company, in the spaces I went to. I was, you know, and, and I felt I conflated that with the sense of mattering. And like I mattered because they're celebrating me. So I am matter. I'm mattering. But re- and, and it kind of masked that question that I kept asking. Wait, wait, am I a, am I doing something that's helping the or am I just part of the problem? Or am I just benefiting from the problem? And um I didn't feel there were moments and even during that celebration that I did not feel that sense of dignity at times and, and even question the meaning. It it and it was easy for me to conflate those two experiences. Uh, work where I felt dignity and meaning most recently and, and that has been working for is I as a volunteer for a nonprofit um, on, as a, I'm on the board of a nonprofit in Seattle. Uh, so I, I'm the president of the board and in, in the work I do that it's for a theater uh, in Taman theater that I uh, support. And in there I was, I felt a sense of invitation, the sense of belonging coming in, but then because I felt sort of dignified, I felt like, oh, I I, I don't have to hurt in, to be in these spaces. And then I, the work that I was doing, I was able to see the impact of the work, even as a volunteer coming in and just providing support and governance and guidance. I felt seen and heard in these spaces. And I had those moments in my capitalism job, but it's, it's not uh, consistent all the time. There's moments where I, like you said, dignity will get hurt or the moments. And so I'm working to do less of that and protect myself more. So I think that this experience and this sort of reflection taught me to not conflate power, which I consider a celebration and all of that came that I got power and it was handed power and privilege with the sense of mattering. And I think that's important, at least to me, to not not see it the same way. Mm. Yeah, what I took from that was that that idea of uh, of when you say you're being celebrated, that feeds our ego, mm. you know, that feeds. And, and like the more and more I think about this is like, how can I experience ego death? <laughs> right. In the sense of like, yeah. <laughs> my ego doesn't come in front of this. It's like, I'm in service of other people. Mm-hmm. And I think I tried to, I started getting that sense when, you know, 20 years ago when I was mm-hmm. um, like 17 years ago, when I was doing this work in AmeriCorps, and I extend that in a bigger way, but it's it's a process. We're all on our journey for that. Mm-hmm. And I agree with what you're, what you're saying about like, 
it's not conflating power and privilege while mattering. And I feel like in capitalistic societies, people's dignity is often questioned. And some people are excluded in this in this world. And yesterday I was just talking to one of uh, a dear friend of mine and she said that she had this aha moment of a book and I'm going to find the book and I'll put it in the show notes here, but where there is, and and this person says um, in the book, where there is exclusion happening, there is also exploitation. And I think that at the heart of capitalism is exploitation. And so when, when discussing this idea of mattering, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about this idea of power and agency, which was like a lightning bolt when I, when I recovered it in my book. Um, And uh, power is the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. Um, Power and agency are connected and agency is that creative human capacity to act and change the world. In other words, people who are, who are affected are not passive, but active participants in shaping their identity. So they, these, this idea is like, these people help to ensure that strategies for change aren't reduced to just a mechanical formula, but they account for ways that people feel empowered, fired up and connected. And an important part of this work, um, you know, Just Associates says, um, who who wrote this book about make change happen, we'll put in the show notes too. We have to deal with the psychological and social dimensions of oppression and subordination that leave people feeling inferior, isolated, cynical, and often angry. That's where dignity comes into play, right? Like if we if we don't give people respect their dignity, if we don't give them power and agency, then we're not really respecting them, right? And so in this brave new world, we can port power to people and increase their dignity and their agency for action. So there's three distinctions here. I'm just going to go quickly through each one of them, um, you know, because this this might get into the weeds for some people, but then other people might get excited about it. So there's power with power to and power within and power with is this this space which really closely aligns with empathy um because empathy is feeling with somebody instead of for them so power with has to do with finding common ground among different interests in order to build collective strength it has mutual support solidarity collaboration recognition and respect for differences and um, it it looks at individual talents, knowledge, and resources to make a larger impact. And it can help, can help build bridges with each other across differences and also acknowledge conflict and seek to transform or reduce them for this larger aim that you're trying to do. Power two helps refers to this like unique potential in every person to shape that life that we hope to build. So giving more them more agency. Um, so a lot of work in education, training, and leadership development for social justice is based on this belief that every individual has that power to make a difference. Um, and it can be multiplied with new skills, knowledge, awareness, and confidence. 
And then the last piece is power within, which is very much along the lines of the work that I'm doing with healing for work has to do with a person's sense of self-worth and self-knowledge. So it's really helping to foster a vision of human rights and responsibility as this ability to recognize our differences while we also respect others. And it's this, it affirms the shared human search for dignity and fulfillment and is strengthened by an understanding of power and the common good and a constant practice of questioning and challenging our assumptions. So evolving our mindset into these three things, power with, power to, power within, is just, if we just do that just a bit to insert this idea of dignity, how can I give more dignity to the person in front of me and shift power to them? the you know if we're as we're going through these changes it can have profound impacts on our lives in our communities and how and as we talk about in this podcast in the workplace yeah i just like it's so important because we brought this concept of power in in the conversation with mattering and and, and especially around dignity because here's an example i like what ma- this made me think of it is oh, I'm going to hire someone to do DEI, but not give them power or not share power <laughs> with them. Right, right, that, right. that is impacting or harming their dignity. It's like, oh yeah, no, I'm going to come, I'm going to basically leverage you for your identities, but not share power with you. And it, it's, it's, it's giving you a space at the table, but not giving you the microphone type experience, right? 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 You don't so, have resources to get the job yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what um, do you think? we need to do to create this culture of mattering that we're talking about, Kevin? Yeah, like like every essential so far that we've discussed, uh, mattering at work needs focus from both leaders at the companies and workplaces, as well as ownership from us individually. And so individually, it's important to know that we are in control of our dignity, as we've talked about it so much, meaning we can understand by setting boundaries that and maintain our self-worth and sense of dignity speaking up when we feel harm or removing ourselves from that situation, um, if we have that privilege to do that, uh, when it's happening to us or others, speaking up when it's hap- when you notice it for others as well, asking questions and understanding the impact, connecting what you're doing to the impact that collectively we are all working towards. And if we have the privilege to work for people where we can ask why, um, then it's important to understand that our impact and whether we are okay with that. So that's where it comes into play, that if you can ask your leaders like, hey, why are we doing this? Or why is this choice made? And how is this going to help our impact and help towards the impact that we're making or the mission we're on? I think that's an important part of this ownership of a sense of self to get that sense of mattering at work. We want to connect what we do to our world, how the thread of our meaning doesn't just end with selling our product or service or making profit. Rather, how does it help improve others' lives, our environment, our world, our communities? Understanding the unintentional harm of our work is important as part of this mattering at work. If I am putting a screw on the machine is and the machine is helping someone, but is it if is it harming a whole other community because of what it's doing in itself? So I think it's important um, part of feeling a sense of dignity and feeling like we matter and the work we do means something to others recognize others. And I think that's an important part of this is as individually recognize the impact others are making 
for you, for the work that you're doing together. And recognition is an important part of that respect we talked about, that looking back and giving and honoring their sense of dignity, as well as reflecting on the meaning of the collective work that we are doing. And I, I always say this in, in, in life, in every day I think about this, role model the behaviors you wish to see in others. I think that's an important part of this because if we want to, if I feel a sense of mattering or if I don't, or if I ask the questions of why, others will too. Because if I'm feeling it, it's likely someone else is also in that same similar uh, situation. Finally, keep reflecting and checking in with yourself. Ask yourself, do I feel that what I do means something to others? Am I compensated for it fairly? Do I have the autonomy and safety to ask questions and own the work I do? Am I being heard? Am I part of the choices being made or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that the all of those things are really important in from an individual perspective. And um, you know, as a some a, a moment here, what I was thinking about was that uh, you know one of the experiences that I'm in right now, um, I'm helping to facilitate a course at Stanford on ethics, policy, and technological change for practitioners. And I've noticed, I noticed just like, this is like, this class is like rocking my world, but um, we have about 300 people in the class. It's very intersectional where we have tech leaders in the class, policy writers, some ph philosophy um, sprinkled in there as well. Um, and each week we get to have a series of readings on like privacy, algorithmic bias, the future of AI, um, and look and question the ethics and the future of these mediums. But we have a new speaker and practitioners who come into the work to see how it plays out in real time. But also we are coming in our cohorts and facilitating um, tools to help organize around these ethical quandaries that we're having when it comes to ethics, policy, and technology. Like, talk about purpose, right? You know, like, we're questioning, okay, the bigger strategy that we're, that these tech companies are having, the plat the power of the platforms. And it's led by a phenomenal group of people so dedicated to their work. And I have a weekly briefing as a facilitator during the experience. I feel so supported. I feel so like they check in with me. There's a culture of care there. And the work that we're doing is really important because these are the people who are in tech companies, who are in policy, who are shaping that world for the future. And at the end of the day, I feel wanted and I feel like a key part of achieving the goals of the program. And I'm I'm a cog in this machine, but at the same time, I don't feel like I'm just the cog. <laughs> like we, it's everybody has a place here. So, you know, just a week or two ago, you know, they said, oh, we just got a great feedback um, on like that you presented and you, you facilitated a session pretty well the other day. Just wanted to say, recognize you for that. And also I, and the leader is like, thank you for everything that you do. It's just a simple thing that 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 she was saying. So with these examples of like being recognized, saying thank you, checking in, these are examples of ways I felt like I mattered. And there's many other ways that we can do that, but there are some tangible ways. Yeah. And, and I think, thank you for showing like what I talked about as individuals we can do. And then the space you are in being role, that role modeled as well. Um, 
from the framework, so going back to Surgeon General's framework, what companies and leaders can do, I think that's the second part of this. It's no, and, and so for the leaders that might want to understand this, the first and foremost, provide a living wage. I think when we don't, that it does impact people's dignity. I think that sense of meaning won't matter if, if people aren't able to take care of themselves and that space of caring that you talked about. Um, when I started working in, in engineering and tech, uh, early in my career, I I felt I was very underpaid compared to for seven years it was like that, and in those times I, it um, it, it was always the top of my mind that I am underpaid. It affected my mental health and my, my it affected my life. I was told I was doing a great job. You're amazing. You know promotions this that, but I kept uh, I felt very underpaid. I remember going to um, the leaders at a previous company that I worked at where. Um, the demand of the job was so high. And, and so I said, hey, the job is very, very demanding. And for me to be able to do this, I need more money so I can improve certain pa parts of my life so I can focus on this work. And they heard me in that. And they're like, okay, yes, let's do this. And so I was I was given that. So this sort of shows that what can, the difference can be by by providing a living wage, supporting your, your, your people in this as well. Um, so it's important to understand that money is tied to our safety and it is essential. Um, I am, I'm privileged. I understand that. So in, in, in thinking through these things, it's important for companies to be like, how do I make sure that we are providing a living wage, taking care of our employees? The American Psychological Association's 2022 work and well-being survey found that workers worried about their compensation, not keeping pace with inflation, uh, were more likely to report work as having negative impacts on their mental health. Another recent survey conducted by PricewaterhouseCoopers of 3,000 workers across several industries found that more than half of respondents, 56%, reported feeling stressed about their finances. And among financially stressed workers, 49% said that money worries had a severe or major impact on their mental health in the past year. Nearly a third of workers in the U.S. make less than $15 per hour, which is broadly recognized as insufficient to support basic minimum lifestyle. The other thing companies and leaders can do is engage workers in workplace discussions. Employers must ensure that they're equitably engaging and empowering all workers to improve workplaces. Now, this is coming straight from the uh, Surgeon General's um, um, idea of mattering at work and how they can be supported by companies. Employees or worker engagement is the extent to which organization leaders and supervisors involve workers in developing organizational mission statements, values, goals, and objectives, as well as the level of enthusiasm and commitment mattering, uh, that sort of goes into that process. And this is such an important part. Like if the workers are involved in the values, in the mission statement, in the goals, they can then have that sense of meaning. They feel that they're included at the table. Power is shared. That sense of dignity is preserved. And so it's important um, to continue to support and bring that share power concept we talked about, engaging the workers, and then also build a culture of gratitude and recognition. This is an important part. We talked about recognize each other. You're, you just got a recognition from your, your supporter at the, at the space and it made you feel good. And, and I think that's so important. So bu building a culture of gratitude and recognition is, is uh, really key in, in supporting this idea of mattering at work. Regardless of their position, when people feel appreciated, recognized, and engaged by their supervisors and coworkers, their sense of value and meaning increases. 
as well as their capacity to manage stress. Researchers have found that staff who received frequent appreciation at work from colleagues and supervisors were more likely to recognize and appreciate others, and this culture had positive effects on their sense of feeling valued, as well as on team performance. This supports a positive workforce. And I've often seen that negative spiral, when it hits the workplace, it can take everyone down because we like feeding off of each other's negativity. So when we do this recognition and appreciation, that sort of shifts and breaks that negative spiral as well. And then we want to connect individual work with the organizational mission. Organizations can help workers see the connection between their day-to-day -day work and the organizational purpose and mission. Leaders can reinforce these connections by acknowledging the different roles of individuals, teams, and departments in achieving organizational goals. So we talked about how mattering can be supported by individual, by organizations. Amy, how do we preserve our dignity? That was a whole lot, like providing a living wage, engaging workers and for these decisions, building a culture of gratitude and recognition, and then connecting this work with our organization. And, and I think that you talked about, you know, organizational things, but then there's also individual things that people within a, a system can do. And I, this last bit, um, as we close out here is talking about, you know, pre preserving dignity. And I think th both um, the system and our individuality is connected in this place of dignity. Um, there. And Dr. Hicks, bringing in Dr. Hicks again, um, in her book, she explains 10 essential elements of dignity, which she says are great rules of thumb to insert dignity and empathy into any space for a more inclusive and fair culture. So you can take these things and apply them right now to other to your your workplace, but even um, it, it fits in the, the bigger um, organization as well. And so it can be practiced by people in the workplace at any level. And above all, we have to accept each other's dignity, which gives other th others the freedom to express their authentic selves without fear of being negatively judged. Then you can you can interact with without prejudice or bias. Also, acknowledge others. Give people your full attention by listening, hearing, validating, and responding to their concerns and what they have been through. Then, then you can then include them. Make others feel like they are they belong at all levels of a relationship: their family, their community, their organization, their nation. And then you ensure their safety, phys physical and psychological, right? We talked about that. That's the first um, part of this entire framework um, is like safety, um, a physical and psychological safety. And there, people are not, let's make people not feel ashamed or humiliated at the end of the day. Um, rec recognition is so important. I talked about that earlier. Validate others for their talents, their hard work, their thoughtfulness, and the help. And then be fair, treat them with fairness, just justly with equality and in an even handed way. Um, and then you have agreed upon laws and rules on how you engage with each other, work to understand each other. So believe that what others think matters and give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, treat people as trustworthy Start with they start with the premise that they have good motives and are acting with integrity. That might change the entire conversation. And then 
the end of the day, you have to be accountable. So take accountability for your own actions. If you feel like if you, if somebody has told you, or you feel like you have violated the dignity of another person, apologize and make a commitment to change those behaviors. So at the end of the day, all of these things, when we talk about mattering at work, we have to ask ourselves, are we truly holding each other in a dignified manner, paying folks a living wage, what they're worth, so they feel respected and they feel valued, um, that they that they have meaning and connected to the meaning, but they're also st- staying in their dignity and it's not bruised. So the question we have for you for you today um, to end our session is, what actions will you take in the next week to bring more meaning and dignity to you and your colleagues? Empathy Power Up is produced by Amy J. Wilson and Kevin Shaw, two people who bonded over their love for creating a deeper sense of empathy in the world. You can reach Amy at Real Amy J. Wilson and Kevin at Shaw Kevin.